Good morning. And a warm welcome to the service this morning. It's good to see everyone out. I don't know if there's any visitors with us. I don't think there are. Um, but uh, it's good to see a few more than we have done the last few weeks. Uh, some who are coming back. And uh, so uh, those who are in the building and uh, uh, also those who are online, uh, a warm welcome as we come together to, to worship God. Let's, uh, let's bow and uh, unite our hearts in, in prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day and for the, the fact that we are able to gather in this place and we're able to gather uh, waiting in expectation uh, to meet with the, the Lord God, uh, the Sovereign, the Almighty God, uh, the Ancient of Days. We thank you for all uh, the comfort and the assurance and the joy that we receive as we meditate upon, upon who you are in your being and what you have done and are doing in this world and in our lives. We thank you that uh, although you are the, the God who is eternal, uh, we see in Christ God the Son breaking from eternity into time to make it possible for us when you call us to step from time into eternity and to do so safely, knowing that we are secure uh, eternally. We thank you that uh, although the nations do rage, and although we so, see so much uh, turmoil and so much uh, that troubles us in this world, and, and even in our own hearts, we thank you that you are the God who, who does not change. And we thank you that you are the God who is in control, who is reigning uh, over all that we see and all that we are. And so we bow in your presence this morning, thankful uh, that you are our God and that you are uh, the King. And we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you as we are taught to by Jesus, your Son, our Saviour. We thank you that we can call you our Father. We thank you that even in these moments as we, as we come together in this place, we can know intimacy uh, with the God who made all things and who holds all things together. We thank you that we can rest in your presence. We can find joy in your presence. We thank you that as we come confessing our sin, we can find uh, that promise of forgiveness, of, of heart cleansing. And we thank you that as we come uh, aware of our own weakness and our own mortality that uh, we come to the one who has the words of eternal life so help us we pray on this the, the Lord's day to be in the spirit and to be worshipping you in spirit and in truth we do pray that you would cleanse us from our sin we know that we fall short of our own standards uh, and much more so we fall short of your standard, but we thank you that Jesus came uh, to seek and to save sinners. He didn't come for those who think that they are righteous and healthy at heart, but Jesus came for those who know uh, that we are unrighteous and that we uh, are our hearts sick and need your help. So cleanse us, Lord, we pray, in the, the blood that was shed on Calvary. And fill us with the Holy Spirit, we pray. Empty us of all that would be self-centered. 
Fill us with the Holy Spirit that we may see you more clearly and that we may see the people around us and the needs uh, that are around us. And we pray for those who are in need this morning, especially. We pray for those who are grieving, uh, those who, who feel that sense of loss and sadness. We pray for the, the Gunn family especially, and we think of Kenny, who we see uh, so often here. We pray that you would strengthen them all, that you would give them your comfort. And as uh, the wider family disperse back to uh, their homes, we pray uh, that uh, when that sense of, of, of loss is felt, as we, as we mourn for, for both one that we saw, saw so often and uh, one that we had uh, such a fondness for, we pray, Lord, that you would give comfort and that you would give strength. And to that, to those who feel it uh, uh, the most especially, we pray that they may know uh, the assurance that you're with them. We pray for those who struggle with addictions. We are always conscious of, of that struggle. And many of us, Lord, all of us struggle with sin inwardly. And it's seen only by you. But we know that there are some addictions that spill out into, into life. Addictions to alcohol and drugs. And For those who have that particular affliction, we bring them to you in prayer. And we ask that you would help them. And that they would cry out to, to you for help. Because we know that you hear the prayers of all who call upon your name. So hear our prayers for those who struggle uh, with these addictions. Hear our prayers for those who are mourning. And hear our prayers for those who are sick at this time. And especially we think of those in hospital. And we think uh, particularly of Ina. Uh, who we have seen so faithfully. Uh, over the years with us who's such a bright light in the Christian community here we ask Lord that uh, as she is in hospital and as she uh, is, is clearly weak that she may know the strength of God and the joy of the Lord as we have seen that in her we pray that she would continue to know uh, the, the joy of the Lord that is so compelling and so noticeable to the nurses who attend to her. We ask, Lord, that uh, you would be with her, that she would know your grace that's sufficient for each hour, Lord, that she would know the care of uh, the Ancient of Days. And we pray uh, that uh, those who attend to her, that you would be with them also. We thank you for all uh, who care, doctors and nurses and uh, carers in the hospital and in the community. We bring them to you, Lord, and we thank you for them. We ask that you would continue to equip them for the work that you have brought them into. So hear our prayers. We're conscious that week by week we come with the same prayers, but week by week we see the same need. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to, to help and uphold uh, all those that we feel for as we uh, mix with them in the community. So hear our prayers and go before us in the rest of this service. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And we'll pray. Lord God, we thank you for the uh, most amazing gift that we have ever been given. We thank you, Father, for sending your Son, Jesus, into this world. We thank you that uh, Jesus uh, loves us and Jesus loved us 
uh, so much that he went to the cross to die for us, to, to take our sin away so that we can be your friends forever. And we pray for each of the boys and girls that they would uh, be trusting in Jesus. And for all of the older ones as well, we pray that we would be trusting in Jesus and that we would know uh, the, the safety and the security that uh, only Jesus can give that lasts forever. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if we could turn in our, our Bibles to Luke chapter 17, please. And we're reading from verse 20, just picking up from where we left off before uh, Christmas. Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Men will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Amen. And may God uh, bless that word to us and give us uh, understanding as we come to it. Well, let's just, as we turn back to uh, the passage, let's pray for a moment. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this passage that we've read and we thank you that in uh, the Bible you show us your ways, you show us who you are, you show us the things that you would have us see uh, so that we uh, are ready in our hearts uh, to meet you. And as we look at this passage this morning that speaks of uh, a day that's coming, we pray that uh, you would make us uh, ready today for that day uh, when we will meet uh, Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're still kind of early on in the year. Uh, what are we? The 16th of, of January. And uh, at the beginning of a, of a new year, uh, we tend to sit down with, our, with our, our calendars or our diaries, and more often with our screens uh, these days, uh, and we, we, we mark dates in uh, that we need to remember. Uh, dates when we have uh, birthdays to, to be mindful of or, or, or anniversaries. Um, dates where we have to be somewhere, weddings and hospital appointments and uh, dates of meetings that we've committed to, to attend, dates of exams. 
uh, dates when we hope to be on holiday. We, we sit down at the beginning of a year uh, often and we, we mark these dates on our, on our calendars. This quote that I've given you before, uh, and uh, it's a quote that I often uh, think of, it's a quote by uh, Martin Luther, who was probably the most influential uh, theologian in the Reformed tradition, and uh, he said he didn't have many dates on his calendar. He said this, there are only two days on my calendar, today and that day. And Luther, when he said that, uh, he was emphasizing the importance of today, the the day the Lord has given us, and the need to to seize today uh, and use it for God's glory. Uh, And at the same time, Luther, in that quote, uh, he's he's not losing sight of that day, the day of the Lord, as it's it's called in the Bible, Uh, the day when this world, as we know it, will be brought to an end and uh, the kingdom of God will come in full force. And as we turn back to, to Luke 17, uh, we, we come in midway to a conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees. And uh, the Pharisees, uh, they have questions. They, they forever have questions for Jesus. And they come with their questions on this occasion about the kingdom of God. They want to, to know when the kingdom of God will, will come. Uh, they want timings. Uh, they want details. They want dates. But Jesus makes clear uh, in his response to their question uh, that the the date on which the kingdom of God will come in in full power is a date uh, that we can't calculate. That's the first point, the first of hopefully four points. Uh, uh, The first thing we can say about the kingdom of God and the the, the coming of that day is it's a date we can't calculate. And if you look at uh, verse uh, 20 down to verse 23, uh, we get the gist of that. Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, with your looking, with your calculations. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man but you will not see it. Men will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running after them. And so the Pharisees' question, which might have been a genuine question, or it might have been a a trick question to try and catch Jesus out, uh, was a question of, of verse 20, when the kingdom of God would come. But what they had in, in their minds when they talked about the, the kingdom of God was, was very muddled. Uh, Many of the the Pharisees, uh, they they had this idea that the the kingdom of God was the geographical place that they lived in. And they had this idea that when the Roman authorities who were in control at that time, when they were pushed out of control and pushed out of this area, that's when the kingdom of God would come. And and they thought they would have the top seats in the kingdom because they were the most religious people. And some of them even uh, hoped that Jesus might be used to push the Romans out. So they ask Jesus, uh, the kingdom of God and its coming, when is this going to happen? And Jesus in his reply, he corrects their misunderstanding and he says in in verse 21, 
the kingdom of God is not here and it's not there in a map. You can't get a chart out and say the kingdom of God is there and there but not here. He says in verse 21, the kingdom of God is within you if you believe in me and have me as your Lord and King. Some of you might be using the ESV, uh, the translation of the Bible, and uh, it says in verse 21, not the kingdom of God is within you, but the kingdom of God is among you. And that shouldn't bother you if uh, you're reading that slightly differently. The Greek can be translated either way. It can be, it can be taken uh, with both meanings. Um, but that's not an issue because both meanings are true. The kingdom of God at that time as Jesus spoke uh, was among them because the king was among them. And all these miracles uh, bore testimony to the fact that Jesus was the king and he was among them. But for those who were disciples, and remember Jesus at that point is speaking to his disciples. uh, He says to them, uh, the kingdom of God is within you because you have the king within you. You're trusting me, says Jesus, to be your saviour, to be your lord to be your king. And then Jesus says to his disciples, uh, when people uh, come to you and they have all these kind of uh, far out claims uh, that the kingdom of God is coming, uh, the end is nigh, uh, and it's all going to happen in this place on that date, Jesus says, don't listen to these people. It's nonsense. Don't go running after uh, these people, uh, says Jesus. The date when Jesus returns as king and every eye will see him, The date when the the kingdom of God uh, comes in full force. And everyone recognizes that Jesus is king. It's not a date we can calculate. We can't put it in our our next decade year planner. We're not told this date. And you can Google uh, this question of uh, uh, the end of the world. Uh, I Googled it just out of interest. And there are millions literally of hits about those who have calculated the date. And got it wrong. There are still those who are calculating this date. And it's wrong. Because Jesus says we can't calculate this date. Matthew 24 is even clearer. Uh, Matthew 24 at verse 36. uh, Jesus says, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Therefore keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. And this is one of the things in the Bible that's taught very clearly. Uh, Jesus, God's son, he came into this world. We we remember that at Christmas time. It's the incarnation. The first advent of Jesus. He came into this world and he came in to be our saviour. But the Bible makes crystal clear uh, that there is coming a day, a date... When Jesus will come back into this world. And he will come back uh, not to be be the saviour, but to be the king and to be the the judge. But he makes clear consistently through the Bible that the the date, the time, the hour, we can't calculate it. So we're not to try, we're not to listen to those who would would push it on us. Should Should this worry us that this date is coming? You know, there are dates in our diaries and there are dates that we perhaps know are coming that aren't fixed in our diaries yet and, and they cause us concern. We have a sense of foreboding. Should this date worry us? Well, let me say to, to those who have not yet trusted Jesus, to anybody here or, or, or online, 
who has not yet asked Jesus to take their sin away and to be their saviour and their, their Lord, uh, yes, uh, this state should worry us. Because if that's our heart state, we're not yet ready for the day when the kingdom of God will come. Uh, and, and it could come any day. But for those who have trusted Jesus, for those who have asked Jesus to be saviour, for those who have Jesus as Lord and as King of our lives, for those of us who have Christ within us, we have nothing to fear when we think about the state. That the day when the kingdom of God will come for the Christian will be a day of great joy. It will be the day, verse 22, that we've longed for. It will be the day where uh, as, as Tolkien puts it, everything sad will come untrue. You know, week by week we're praying. We're praying for those who are sick. We're praying for those uh, who are grieving. We're praying for, for those who are battling with addictions. Uh, we open our newspapers. Uh, we, we see chaos at a global scale. So much violence, so much division, so much turmoil. Uh, and, and it grieves us. But when the kingdom of God comes, this world as we know it, uh, sinful and broken, will be kind of wrapped back up. And there'll be a new heavens and a new earth where sin is gone and Satan is gone and sickness is gone and death is gone and war is gone and peace will reign because Jesus is king. And that's something for the Christian to look forward to. But it's something uh, that only those who are in Christ will enjoy. So let me say to anyone who's outside of Christ uh, today, this morning, come in, trust him. It's a date that we can't calculate. The second thing uh, we learn from this conversation uh, that Jesus has with the Pharisees is that this is a date that we can't miss. I was uh, reading a, a short uh, news article just to uh, the other day and it was about a man uh, in Australia and uh, he claims that he's Jesus he claims that he came to this world 2000 years ago and now he's come back and uh, he was being interviewed by this Australian uh, news team uh, and they were kind of following him around for a day or two and he was doing these, these kind of self-help seminars taking a fee of course so organising these retreat weekends, you know, which were, uh, again, uh, coming at great cost. And he was saying that he was Jesus. They were asking him, are you, are you Jesus? Yes, he says, I can assure you I am Jesus. I can remember everything I did 2,000 years ago, and I've come back, I'm Jesus, he says. And it was sad because there were hundreds of people who were paying to attend his seminars and paying to stay at his weekend. He'd, he'd, he'd drawn some woman in as well, to, to be his companion because uh, she was his soulmate. And so he's trying to get publicity because it seems that the, uh, the majority of the world ha had missed the, the return of this self-proclaimed uh, Jesus. But, you know, anyone who reads the Bible, this is why we need to be in the Bible, anyone who reads the Bible uh, knows this man is not Jesus. Yes, he's got the flowing locks, but this is not Jesus. This is a caricature of what people paint over the years. But he's not Jesus. And this new story on Australian TV is not the second coming of Christ. 
Because on the day that Jesus returns as king, on the day when the kingdom of God comes in in the fullest ultimate sense, there will be no need for new supports anywhere. Because everyone, everywhere in that instant will know. Verse 24 says, For the Son of Man, that's the title that Jesus used to speak of himself, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. And if you've been out for a walk on a, on a dark night, and it's a bit clammy, and all of a sudden there's a rumble, and then there's a flash, you know, shakes you. The light is blinding. And that's the picture that Jesus uses. Uh, no one will miss the day when the Son of Man returns. We won't be scrolling through Facebook and YouTube at clips that have happened far away of a report of the second coming of Christ because everyone, everywhere, in that instant will know. Nothing else will matter when Jesus comes back from the east to the west, from one end of the world uh, to the other. People will see Jesus and there will be no doubt whatsoever that the King of Kings has come. And for, for those who are Christians... Let's just take the encouragement of that. Let's take the encouragement of, of, of this date that is coming. I mean, we live in a, a day and in a place where, where, where the name of Jesus uh, is used as a curse. We hear the, the name Christ repeatedly uh, being used as a curse. Some people say it with malice. They look us in the eye. They're looking for a, a bit of a reaction. Most people just thoughtlessly will, will use the name of Jesus or the name of Christ. It just trips off the tongue. No respect, no awe. It's just a curse. And we live in a day when uh, the good news about Jesus is, is considered neither to be, to be good nor to be newsworthy. Jesus, for most, is an irrelevance. Jesus, the name is an offence. You know, hardly anyone today, as we scan through social media or, or watch news reports or listen to um, newspaper stories, hardly anyone sees Jesus for who he really is. And that grieves us for Christians, but there is a day coming. And it's a date uh, that no one will miss when every eye will see Jesus in all his beauty and all his glory and all his majesty and every single tongue. Think about that. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and King. We can think of some of the most antagonistic people. On that day, we will hear from their lips, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. That day is coming. So when we feel low, when as Christians we feel down, when we uh, feel like nobody wants to hear anything about Jesus, think about this date that is coming when the whole world will recognize that Jesus is King. And that shouldn't fill us with some sense of kind of one-upmanship. Uh, That should fill us with a a compassionate drive to tell people before that day comes so that they'll be ready for it. Because for some it will be the most desperately sad, alarming day because the Christ that they trampled, all of a sudden they see he is king. It's a day we can't miss. No one can miss it. 
It's a date we can't calculate. Uh, the third thing is it's a date we can't ignore. And we have uh, illustrations of that uh, in uh, verses 26 uh, down to uh, verse 29. I think, you know, in, in, in our own context, um, when we think about uh, the things of, of God, when we speak about Jesus, uh, some people are antagonistic. You know, well, well, there are some people who do want to have a, have a fight about the, the things of God. They, they, they are decided they are against Jesus. And they'll take every chance to, to go online usually and, and spill out all this stuff about how much they're against Jesus and against the church of Jesus. But most people aren't antagonistic. They're just agnostic. You know, they're, they're not decidedly against Jesus. They're just not very interested in Jesus. That's the position of, of most. They're too busy. They're too distracted uh, with this, this world and the things of this world to really think about Jesus. And if we speak about Jesus to them, and if we speak about uh, this day that's coming when Jesus returns as king, they won't pay too much attention. They're too preoccupied with the urgent matters of this day to think about that day. But as Rico Tice says in the Christianity Explored course, uh, the urgent, the pressing routine of each day can be the enemy of the important, the ultimate sense of that day. And that's always been the way. So Jesus, he, he, he illustrates that by giving these two examples. First of all, verses 26 and 27, the days of Noah. Just as it was in the days of Noah, says Jesus, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. You can read the full version of that in, in Genesis chapter 6 and, and Genesis chapter 7. For a hundred plus years, Noah is saying, there's a flood coming, there's danger coming, I'm building an ark, come inside it and be safe. And people are out having dinner dates, they're out on nights out drinking, uh, they're getting married and preparing to be married. Uh, these, none of these things are, are, are necessarily bad things. But because they're so preoccupied with these things, they have... No time for this message from Noah. And, and no belief that this date would ever really come. And, and yet it comes. They can't ignore it. And so many are destroyed on that day. And then Jesus gives a second illustration in verse 28 and 29. He says it was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. You can read about that in Genesis 19. Lot was God's man, although he became compromised. Lot's job was to, to warn people to get out of this, this city and avoid judgment, but, but they didn't listen. Not even Lot's wife listened. And when the day of judgment came, they couldn't ignore it. And they couldn't escape it, because it was too late. And Jesus says, that's how it will be when he returns as king. It will be just like this, verse 30, says Jesus, on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the roof of his house with his goods inside should go back down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life uh, will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. And I think I'm right in saying that uh, Verse 32 in this chapter is the second shortest verse in the Bible. 
but it has huge impact. Just three words. Remember Lot's wife. And that's a story that you can read of in, in Genesis 19. It's a story about a woman who, who came uh, so close to being saved. But instead of looking to the Lord and being saved, she looked back to the world. And she's lost. The date comes for judgment. Uh, she, she doesn't look to the Lord and, and she's lost. You know, it's a sad story. But it's a story that we should, uh, we should pay attention to today. You know, there are some here, um, there are some watching online, I expect, also. And you have wives, or you have husbands, you have friends, or you have parents who have trusted Christ and are saved. But Lot's wife teaches us that that's not enough. Our spouses can't save us. Godly parents can't save us. Godly grandparents can't save us. Every single one of us as individuals has to look to Jesus ourselves and ask him to be our saviour and our Lord and our king. And he will save us. But if we won't do that, uh, the sad truth is that there will be some uh, couples, there will be some families, uh, there will be some people who shared uh, their lives together in time who will be apart and separated for eternity. And that picture of separation is uh, very clearly uh, given to us in the next verses, verses 34 and 35 and uh, verse uh, 37. This uh, date is a date uh, that we can't ignore. I tell you, says Jesus, on that night two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken, the other left. Where, Lord? Verse 37, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body there, the vultures will gather. And it's a kind of gruesome picture. Just as, as vultures uh, hover over death, uh, Jesus, I think, in this verse is saying, uh, judgment hovers over those who are spiritually dead and who are determined to reject Jesus and to remain unconverted. So the call is to be converted. J.C. Ryle underlines that and, and he says this, converted or unconverted will be the only subject of inquiry on that day. It will matter nothing that people have worked together and slept together and lived together for many years. They will be dealt with at last according to their religion. Those members of the family who have loved Christ will be taken up to heaven. Those who have loved the world will be cast down to hell. Converted and unconverted shall be separated forevermore when Jesus comes again. And this is an unsettling section. And I can sense... You know, even in the room, the atmosphere changes. Because this is hard to hear. This is unsettling. But it needs to be for us to listen. I was speaking to someone uh, this week past and they'd been to the consultant and, you know, years gone by and they were remembering this encounter with a consultant. And uh, the consultant uh, spoke to them uh, very sternly and gave a very direct warning about their lifestyle and the changes that needed to be made if they were to survive and thrive physically. And the patient, because of the, the straight talking of the consultant, became quite upset. The consultant said to him, well, you know, I'm sorry you're upset. I'm not trying to upset you, but my job is to warn you. I'm trying to help you. And that's what Jesus does here. 
He's speaking in love, but with great urgency and force to those who will not have him as saviour and king. And he's warning them, he's warning us of the consequences of persevering in that way. This is a date that we cannot ignore. It's a date that we cannot miss. It's a date that we cannot calculate. But finally, it's a date that we can be ready for. So the question is how? How can we be ready uh, for the day when the kingdom of God comes? How can we be ready for the, the day when Jesus returns as king? We don't know the date. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. Could be many years down the line. We don't know. But how can we be ready? And the answer is found in the verse that I skipped for those who are, who are uh, sharp-eyed. The, the, the verse that's in the centre of this uh, short passage is the key to us being ready. And it says in verse 25, Jesus says um, in verse 25, First he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus knows for us to be made ready to meet him, he would have to suffer for our sin. He would need to be rejected for us to be accepted. Milne, the commentator, says, before the kingdom of God uh, comes, the king must die. Without his sufferings and death, there can be no kingdom of grace and glory for his disciples. And so this is our key to being ready, the cross. And at this point, uh, Jesus can see the, the cross approaching. At this point, Jesus knows that he will very soon suffer and die the most excruciating death. At this point, Jesus knows uh, he would very soon be rejected as king. And that's what happened. So let me give you the, the account of that just as we finish. From Mark 15, we have the testimony of how the king is rejected and suffers for us. Pilate is the one who's speaking in Mark 15, verse 12, and he says to the crowds who are gathered, uh, what shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked him. And you can imagine the crowds gathered, crucify him, they shouted. Why? What, what, what crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He was a terrorist. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that's the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him to mock him. Purple being the, the colour of the king. And they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, mocking him. Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him, falling on their knees. Again, mocking him, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. That's the account of how Jesus did suffer many things and was rejected. But that rejection and that suffering was not in vain. It was to make it possible for us to be saved. And if we believe in Jesus, 
if we ask him to be our saviour, if we bow before him as Lord and King, then we will be ready for uh, this date when he returns or calls us home. As the hymn goes, in Christ alone, our hope is found. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship, the comfort of God the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen.